Hello, I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and welcome to episode 35 of my Train Your Mind for Athletic Success podcast. This episode is the first of two that explores the power of routines in athletic performance. The topic for today's episode is, what is a routine? Well, routines are one of the most important aspects of sports that you can develop to improve your conditioning, training, and competitive performances. Routines benefit all of your efforts in several ways. First, routines ensure total preparation in your efforts. Second, they enable you to be completely physically, technically, tactically, and mentally ready to perform your best, whether in practice or competitions. Routines ingrain effective skills and habits that make it easier to transition from training to competition. They train your mind and body to react the same way, regardless of the importance of the competition or where it is or who you're competing against. Finally, routines create consistency, familiarity, predictability, and control. I don't know a world-class athlete in any sport who doesn't use routines in some part of his or her training efforts and competitive preparations. Routines are most often used before competitions to make sure that you're prepared to perform your best. They can also be valuable in two other areas. Routines can be developed in training to ensure that you get the most out of your practice time, ensuring clear purpose, ideal intensity, and a productive focus. Routines are also important between performances of a competition to help you get ready for subsequent performances. And this really applies for sports comprised of a series of short performances, such as baseball, basketball, or tennis. There are a lot of things in sports that you can't control, such as weather conditions or your opponent. Ultimately, the only thing you can control is yourself. Routines can increase control over your performances by enabling you to directly prepare every area that impacts your sport. Those areas you can control include your equipment, is your gear in optimal condition, your body, are you physically and technically warmed up, and your mind, are you at prime focus and ideal mindset. Routines also allow you to make your preparations more familiar and predictable, and as a result, more comfortable by knowing that you're systematically covering every area that will influence your athletic performances. Routines can also help you expect the unexpected. In other words, as part of your routine, you can plan for every eventuality that could arise during a competition. If you can reduce the things that can go wrong and be prepared for those that might, you'll be better able to stay focused and relaxed before and during a competition. From George Allen, the Super Bowl winning coach, winning can be defined as the science of being totally prepared. Now, I want to make a distinction between routines and rituals. Some sports psychologists and mental coaches use the term ritual in place of routine. I don't like this term because it has connotations that go against what routines are trying to accomplish. Remember, the goal of routines is to totally prepare you to perform your best in the conditioning room, training, and competitions. Everything done in a routine serves a specific and practical function in that readiness process. For example, a physical and technical warm-up and a review of tactics for an upcoming competition are all essential for total preparation and should be part of a routine. In contrast, a ritual is associated with superstitions and is often made up of things that actually have no practical impact on performance. For example, wearing your lucky socks 
or following a specific route to the competition site. Routines can also be adjusted should the need arise. For example, if you arrive late at the competition, you can shorten your routine and still get prepared. Rituals, though, are rigid and ceremonial. Athletes can believe that rituals must be done or they will not perform well. In sum, you control routines, but rituals control you. From the baseball legend, Babe Ruth, I had only one superstition. I made sure to touch all the bases when I hit a home run. Now, the start of routines begins not with a competitive routine, but with what I call a gym routine, that is GYM routine. Most sports psychologists and mental coaches work with athletes on the mental side of their sport in an office setting, usually one hour per week, providing them with mental tools they can use during training and competitions. This approach makes about as much sense as a coach offering their athletes technical instruction in an office and then telling them to go out onto the field, course, court, or what have you and work on it in practice. In either case, the transfer from inside to outside isn't very good. I found that the most productive work I do with athletes is during their actual training sessions. I'm able to go to training with athletes and show them how to incorporate mental training, such as intensity, focus, imagery, and yes, routines, while they're actually practicing. But over the last few years, I've discovered an even better setting in which athletes can begin to develop their mental muscles, that is in the gym during their conditioning. Yes, using mental exercises and tools as part of your physical conditioning program is a great way to begin to strengthen those mental muscles and learn to use the mental tools I've talked about previously in my podcast that will be of such a benefit in the quality of your training and when you compete. Think of it this way. Both a drill and practice, and for example, a set of squats, are physical performances that share many attributes. They both involve strength and technique. They hurt, especially at the end. And most importantly, they require certain mental muscles and tools to maximize the gains you make from them. A great thing about beginning your mental training in the gym is that it is a much less complex environment than in your sport training. And as a result, it's easier to focus on and exercise and strengthen your mental muscles. You have fewer variables, fewer things to think about, and importantly, fewer distractions that can prevent you from focusing on and strengthening your mental muscles. Conditioning, sport training, and competition also have similar phases of execution. There's the preparation phase where you get yourself physically and mentally ready to perform your best. Then there's the performance phase where you're doing your best to perform at your highest level possible. Then there's the conclusion phase where you may be in pain and your body's telling your mind, often in a very loud voice, to either ease up or stop because it hurts too much. Finally, there's the completion phase where you evaluate your performance and see what you can do to improve. Everything that you need to have and do for your sports training and in competition also applies to every set and drill of a workout. You must be highly motivated to give your best effort even when you get tired and begin to really hurt. You have to have confidence that you can, for example, lift a certain weight or do a particular number of reps. You need a certain mindset to perform the exercise well. For example, an aggressive mindset to attack a lift or a calm mindset for stretching. You must have the high intensity necessary to explode upward with the weight in a lift or the low intensity to get the most out of yoga. And you have to be focused on good technique so you can execute properly and avoid injury. 
there are several great benefits to using mental training in the gym. First, because you'll be more mentally prepared for your workouts, you'll give more effort, have more quality in the effort, and as a result, you'll make greater gains in your fitness. Second, you'll be able to work on the mental tools before you get to your sports training, making that transition faster and smoother and incorporating them into your on-sport training and competitive preparations. Finally, you're using mental tools in your physical conditioning, training, and competitive routine. You'll ingrain them so deeply that when you get to that big event, all those well-practiced mental habits will come out and they'll enable you to perform your very best when it matters the most. Now that I've convinced you, hopefully, of the value of using mental training in the gym, you're probably wondering how exactly you can begin to include it into your workout regimen. Here are five key mental areas you can incorporate into your conditioning that you can then transfer over to your sports training and competitive efforts. First, commitment. For you to get the maximum gains from your conditioning, you must want it bad. Otherwise, your body's desire to avoid pain will overwhelm your desire to make the fitness gains. So before each exercise, make a conscious commitment to put your best effort into it from start to finish. I'm doing this. I'm finishing strong. This commitment is particularly important at the end of a set when you need to finish strong in the face of the inevitable pain you will feel to get the most out of the exercise. Second, confidence. Say something positive that will give you a confident state of mind toward the exercise. For example, 10 reps at 225 pounds, I feel strong. I can do this. This is especially important when doubts creep into your mind when you are, for example, doing a new exercise that you're not skilled at or you're going for a new PR you've never lifted before. Third, mindset. Particularly in strength training, a passive mindset just isn't going to get the most out of your conditioning. In a way, you're competing against the exercise or perhaps a weight. It wants to stop you from, for example, lifting the weight or completing the required number of reps. You have to attack the weight and impose your will on it. Otherwise, near the end of the set, your body will tell your mind to stop and your mind will listen. Adopting an aggressive mindset from the first rep to the last can make a huge difference, particularly the last few reps when it gets really hard. I'm attacking this lift. Third, intensity. Different types of conditioning exercises require different levels of physical intensity to get the most out of them. If you don't have the requisite intensity for a specific exercise, you won't get the most benefit from it. For exercises that require strength and power, before every set, rev your engine by jumping up and down, taking some aggressive breaths, and using psych-up talk, such as, let's do this. When you're doing low-intensity exercises, such as stretching or yoga, relax your muscles, breathe deeply, and use psych-down self-talk. For example, calm and easy. Lastly, focus. Simply put, if you're not totally focused on your best execution and effort, in an exercise, you will not only not perform it well and gain its greatest benefits, but you may also hurt yourself. Before every set, stop talking to people around you, take a deep breath to direct your focus onto the exercise, take five to 10 seconds and imagine yourself doing the exercise well, and finally, repeat a keyword that reminds you of an important thing you need to do to perform the exercise well. For example, something technical such as straight back, or something mental in terms of mindset, such as attack. 
Because mental training is new and is not part of your conditioning routine, you'll probably forget to use it sometimes. Don't beat yourself up about it if you don't remember every time. At first, you'll need to be reminded to use the mental tools every set. I would recommend, though, taping a sheet of paper on the wall or mirror of your workout space, saying something like, mental tools. When you see it, you'll be reminded to do it. And before you know it, the mental tools will become so ingrained that you use them automatically without needing reminders. I'm Dr. Jim Taylor, and thanks for listening to episode 35 of Train Your Mind for Athletic Success. And be on the lookout for episode 36 in the near future.